Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the Furthermore Podcast, where we go further and more into the things of God and the things we're studying as a church. Um, this week, we are going to be looking at the book of James and going through just James as a whole. I'm excited um, that, you know, this is kind of one of the few opportunities we've had. I hope, hope to do more in the future where we mm-hmm. just kind of dig into a book and talk yep. about the Bible. So this week we are joined by Drake Holderman. Drake is one of the ministers on staff at Christ Church of Orinogo in Orinogo, Missouri. And uh, Drake, why don't you explain how you, um, how you know each of us? Sure, yes. Because I know each of you in uh, different capacities <clears throat> in different times of my life, both of which were uh, very fun times in my life. So I met Jared first. I was actually a sophomore in high school, and I got into a food fight at school. All of the people I sat with at lunch got expelled, and I had to find new friends to sit with, one of which was a guy named uh, Taylor Hunt, a couple more, Grant Higman and Alex Cash. They invited me to go uh, to church with them one day at lunch, and uh, there's where I first met Jared Parker, and I got uh, super involved at First Christian Church uh, in Owasso, Oklahoma, now known as First Church. But um, that's where I met Jared, and uh, Jared gave me a lot of opportunities uh, in the youth group to be a part and to lead, along with several of the other uh, youth members there. I only got in trouble a handful of times, <laughs> but uh, that's kind of how I met Jared. Had a lot of good experiences there. I went to First Christian by myself. Um, my parents went to one of the Baptist churches in Owasso, but um, they really trusted Jared and the other leadership. My dad, actually, Jared let my dad go on a youth trip one time uh, yeah. with us. My dad still talks about that, how much he loved um, drinking coffee with Jared Parker in the mountains. <laughs> of I remember that quite well. It was a great trip. Yes. So that's how I know Jared. Jared was one of the influential people uh, who got me to go to um, Ozark Christian College because I wanted to study uh, ministry and go into ministry upon graduation from college. And it was um, at Ozark Christian College that I met the one and only Ben Jones, mm-hmm. or as the guys at Ozark called him, Bones. Oh Did, man, that's a reveal in here. It's out. Do people still call you Bones at all? Or is not that, here, not here. Not here? I well, think people, he secretly wants people to call him Bones, but, but nobody does. There you go. There you go. So um, ben, what, ben and I had a mutual friend named uh, Logan Sperry. <laughs> and we actually got married a few weeks ago, yeah. and Ben and I got to hang out with a little bit. Shout out, Sperry. Uh, shout out to Logan Sperry. Ben walked with my wife down the aisle and protected her from tripping because she's very pregnant right now. So I appreciate <laughs> Ben doing that for me. But um, yeah, so I got engaged to my wife at Ozark, and uh, some of my one of my best friends, Luke Proctor, who's the president's son at the time, wanted to bring back a tradition called creaking. And... Um, <laughs> So, which is basically where you take the guy of their clothes and you throw them into the creek by the um, by the camp or on the campus there, and which has that since week, been banned on campus. Which is, if for good, <laughs> you know, for good reason, has been banned. So, anyways, luckily Luke has his diploma and has graduated. But, um, anyways, <laughs> the week before that, Ben had um, defeated Luke in a kind of a, a pillow fight between two dorms, if you will. Like we raided Ben's dorm and. Uh, been essentially uh, beat Luke up, and uh, so I knew I could run to Bones for protection from my own friends, <laughs> and so I got Bones and Logan Sperry's help, and uh, they they actually didn't be, help me at all because Luke had a taser, and Ben ran away <laughs> terrified uh, of that taser and left me to be thrown into the creek in a, on a cold December night, so... 
Yeah, well, man, this is funny. I've heard part of that story, but there's a few details that I uh, that I hadn't wired. So that's that's interesting. That's yeah, really interesting. So it's my relationship with both you guys. So do two different times, but I appreciate both of you and your uh, part of my life. So yeah, and somehow we both ended up working at the same church. So <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, man, we are uh, we are excited and uh, just grateful uh, that you would take some time to uh, join us for this. Um, uh, you know, we have. Uh, uh, we've been able to have a lot of different uh, uh, kind of some some really really fantastic guests um, that we've been able to have on the show, and then after we ran out of all the good ones, we yeah. uh, had a conversation and we thought, well, we both know Drake. Actually, that's not untrue. I think uh, uh, for 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 our church and anybody else that might be listening, uh, Drake has uh, uh, Drake has long shown just lots of maturity and wisdom. And uh, anyway, so yeah. uh, first got to know you as a student, um, but now uh, tremendously respect you as uh, uh, another uh, fellow minister of the gospel and just an all-around swell guy. So, um, so Drake, we're just grateful that you'd spend the time uh, with us. Uh, so I'll, I'll just go ahead and uh, take us yeah. on in the conversation then. So we've been going through um, over these past few weeks, uh, depending on at what point you're uh, watching this uh, video. Um, but we've been going through the past few weeks, just kind of a uh, an overview, really just a few week uh, overview of the book of James and uh, kind of some uh, some highlights, some themes that we yep. see uh, in that book um, and then what that means then for us as a church today. And so we, we wanted to do was take a little bit of opportunity to uh, kind of dive into just a little bit more discussions uh, kind of format and um, maybe be able to highlight some things that we don't have the time to do uh, in a Sunday morning sermon format. So anyway, that being said, um, I guess I'd just uh, kick us off with, uh, uh, Ben, you mentioned this in your sermon, um, just the importance, uh, and this is so incredibly true, uh, the importance of the, uh, the context, the setting, the historical background, yep. um, and how that uh, shapes uh, our understanding of uh, James uh, specifically, but the Bible as a whole. Um, and so there's a lot of just rich things that I think come out of uh, that study, specifically in the book of James. So I just open it up with um, uh, just just let's talk a little bit about um, the background, the historical setting, the context of the book of James. And so, um, so uh, in other words, uh, what's the situation? Why did James uh, address uh, this church here? Um, and what are some of the issues that he's trying to address uh, just in general? So I guess if either one of you guys, uh, uh, Drake, I don't know if you want to maybe kick us off with a couple uh, thoughts and we'll kind of get the ball rolling from there. Sure. Yeah. Um, so with the book of James, uh, I think there's two books that people most often say are their uh, favorite books. One would be Romans, the other would be hmm. James. And you couldn't find two books that are uh, both equally great, but different. Right. Romans being more of an argument and pity. James being more, uh, you know, getting your hands dirty, mm -hmm. practical. Not hands dirty in like a like a legal way, but, <laughs> uh, you know, a hard work, practical. Yep situation and I think that's probably what the church um, there in Jerusalem needed and needed to uh, be reminded of from one of their leaders who uh, had some um, you know clout to be able to speak in this way um, we actually did a sermon series at Christ Church students through the book of James and we called it uh, in the shadow of my half-brother mm. um, mm. you know James being the half brother of Jesus, you know the bio, both yeah. of them biological sons of Mary, and um, James the biological son of Joseph as yeah. well. But you see the relationship between James and Jesus change a little bit 
there from some of those earlier glimpses in the gospel where I don't know if he was just following the matriarch of the family or not, but he didn't seem to be uh, favoring his brother. Uh, but then you start out in James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. right? change there. And uh, I think that title that he gives himself right there at the get-go sets the tone uh, for the book. Uh, I am not trying to elevate myself or elevate my position, um, but from the leadership of this church here in Jerusalem to God's people scattered uh, throughout, this is how we live um, our life. And so James finds himself in a situation where he lives in a world where, you know, war has torn, uh, people are suffering. Other religions of the day are trying to climb the ladder. And James says, now look at my brother. Uh, he is our example. He's the one we follow. Let's go after the the not popular, the not elite. Let's go after the poor. Yeah. He mentions the orphans and the widows. And he even addresses you know, some of those people in uh, society who may be Christians, who may be in those elite classes. And uh, he says, we, we should not you know, think too highly of ourselves, basically. And so yeah. I appreciate that historical, um, that we can understand the historical settings because it does, does give a lot of light as to what the church in that day needed and, um, you know, what was going on. So. Yeah. It was funny you uh, you talk about James and Romans, and it's funny. Um, there are a lot of, uh, you know, different themes, very different approach uh, to the two. Uh, Martin Luther, of course. Like tension. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, not not tension in the sense of conflict, but a tension in the sense of, um, you know, trying to hold two things, um, you know, in your hands. Sort of sort of like you know, with your kid, you know, you, there's there's love and there's discipline, and you know, those yeah. things aren't opposed to each other, yeah. but you hold them, you hold both of them together, um, in this in this tension you have much. That actually, it was, uh, you know, Martin Luther, uh, you know, one of the great names of the Reformation. Um, you know, <clears throat> had this gospel of grace and was profoundly impacted by Romans. He actually looked at the book of James, and uh, I think he called it a, a strawy epistle because he's seeing, seeing a lot of these, these tensions uh, between the two. Um, and again, they're not in conflict with one another. We've, we've talked about that some as we've gone through the series. Um, but yet, uh, I think as you go through, James seems to highlight um, some things that, uh, you know, when you take Romans by itself, uh, we talked about this, I think, in week one, um, where some people were kind of taking some some teachings of Paul and distorting them, um, and James kind of brings it back down to ground level um, and uh, tries to give us a better picture of what uh, you kind of started referring to this, Drake. A better picture of what a, what a true faith, what a true religion actually looks like, and so we see um, we see that uh, really kind of go throughout uh, run throughout the Epistle of James. So anyway, uh, sorry, I, I cut you off. No, you're, you're good. Back to say. You're good. Um, I, I, there is this commentary. Um, okay, so there's this commentary um, series, and it's actually only two books that are covered. They cover John and they cover James. And it's they a short making series. Them. They stopped making them for some reason. It's really, it's a really good commentary. It's called like I think it's called the Youth Workers Commentary, and the one uh, on James is written by I want to say David Nystrom. It's Nystrom for sure, um, and he offered a really compelling kind of background to the Book of James. Drake, you touched on the first verse and how, you know, this is the, the brother of Jesus. This is the half-brother of Jesus, James. Um, the next verse, though, w was what Nystrom built his argument on. And it's, um, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. And what we see recorded in the book of Acts is the church begin to thrive in Jerusalem. And then because persecution happens, it, it, it scatters. And they go to these different corners of the Roman Empire. And what happens is the Christian church starts to build up. But Gentiles start joining them. And what had happened um, just a few years before was 
um, Caesar Augustus came to power. And when he came to power, um, a large peace settled over the Roman Empire. There wasn't large expansions. There weren't many wars. And as such, the way that you would normally gain honor and power through war was no longer available. And so you you saw mm-hmm. these things pop up to gain honor and authority called colleges, and it's where we get the word college. And um, what, what ended up happening was um, many people confused the Christian church with the collegia. And a collegia was, of course, a place where you went to build yourself up in the ranks to gain power and influence, but also to argue philosophy, to argue even theology, to make yourself seem wiser and make yourself seem smarter, and we'll see wisdom throughout the book of James. Um, and so when this confusion happens, the Christian church has all of these people, especially Roman Gentile people, try to join the church to gain honor and prestige and influence. Mm-hmm. And they begin to try and work um, to, to become teachers, to work themselves up in the rankings um, and argue um, about philosophy and argue about theology. And, and James calls some of this worldly wisdom, and we'll dive more into that. Um, but I, I think this is a really compelling uh, option. I mean, th- we're never certain with historical background, especially stuff that isn't explicitly listed in the text. Okay. But this is a really compelling background for me because James has so much about humility versus like um, trying to gain um, influence through like kind of leveraging your power or leveraging your wisdom or leveraging your intelligence. Yeah. And, um, and, and so James seems to push back against that. And so there's at least something like that happening in the background. And I think it makes, it, I think placing that over the book makes the book kind of come alive. Yeah. One thing that's uh, important for us to remember, um, you know, sometimes we, you know, not being in this kind of culture, there's yeah. there's some things that we don't you know instantly uh, uh, understand or remember. But one thing, uh, you know, I, we talk about this uh, these kinds of things on occasion. But uh, one of the things when you think of culturally things that matter to them is, uh, you know, in this culture they were very much uh, it was an honor shame society, yeah. right? Yeah. So very driven. Not, uh, I mean, there's elements of this, but not driven so much uh, by wealth uh, as much as honor shame. And and wealth actually. That was important, but that was a more of a sign of honor yeah, it or came shame. With the honor. Right, right, exactly. So these things go hand in hand. Yeah. The things that was more important was honor or shame, and so and actually they viewed this almost as if like there's a limited supply of this, right? So if I'm honored, if I've got you know so much honor, then there's only so much honor left for you. Uh, you know, which is which is a little bit uh, unusual uh, for us to think about. Uh, you know, something like honor uh, being in limited supply, but this is how they viewed things, and so. Um, you know, if there's only so much honor to go around amongst all of us, uh, then what you see then is kind of this this clamoring for uh, honor, for position, yeah. for, um, you know, these kinds of things, which end up uh, creating divisions amongst people. Um, and, and, and we see a number of different uh, types of divisions and, and uh, where through the book of James where people are divided by wealth, people are divided by status, people are divided by those sorts of things and, and um, kind of hoarding these things for themselves for the sake of, uh, of honor and we start to see that run really through the, throughout the book of James and so, um, and so I think that'll speak to a lot of the themes yeah. that we see as we go through. So yeah, anything else yeah, you guys? I yep. just think the word that James used to describe himself there, I think I mentioned it earlier but a servant, uh, mm-hmm. I think that's what he's trying to set the tone as. And I think with yeah. this, it's important to notice that the leader of the, because James was the leader uh, of the church, and the nickname that people give to James, this brother of Jesus, is um, some of the church historians, James the Just. And uh, so yeah. most people are like, 
they went like Conqueror or The Great or something like that. And James nickname. So I think he's honored in history for what um, Christ called him to do and as a leadership or Christ calls all of us to do uh, is to seek justice for for people. And so I think mm. it's cool to note that uh, we have a good leader on our hands too at the outset of this as well. So yeah. somebody who can who can write with integrity and um, not hypocritically to people and to the the, the church and yeah. God's people scattered uh, throughout. So that's good. Yeah. No, that's great. In that case, then, um, so with some of this, uh, you know, this uh, division, these tensions that are going on, how then, um, I guess I'd turn the, the page, haha, um, to say then, how do we see this, uh, this background, this kind of cultural um, influence going on? How do we see yeah. that kind of pop up um, in the different themes that we go through the book of James? Because James is, um, we've talked about this a little bit before as well, you know, James reads a little bit differently than do uh, other other types of epistles that, you know, you talked about Romans, um, where Paul's kind of making an argument, right? He's making a straight line. Well, James is doing the same thing. He's making an argument, and yet it doesn't read in the same way. Paul's kind of got a, you know, shooting towards a, a specific direction. James, uh, you know, he kind of cycles through some of these themes at, at multiple times. Um, and so uh, at times for us, too, because it's a different type of literature, it can get kind of confusing. It can almost seem like he's sort of uh, not, not spotty, but uh, kind of choppy, like he's talking about one thing and then moving to another, but then he comes back around to it. Um, uh, kind of like the way I talk sometimes, but uh, uh, <coughs> anyway. So, uh, so as we go through the book of James, how do uh, how does this background help us understand uh, and shape the way we see these themes come up uh, throughout the book? So, uh, Ben, you want to you want to kick us off yeah. there? I've got a lot here. I'm going to touch on some high points um, because I have a lot here. Um, the this idea um, that the church was being used as a sort of social social trampoline, a social launching point by which people could gain honor and influence, I think filters into all sorts of stuff. James talks about humility all over. I mean, right off the bat in chapter one, he says believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. Meaning mm -hmm. like if, 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 if you shouldn't seek after high position because you already have it if you're in a humble circumstance. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, and later on in chapter one, he talks about listening and doing um, and how that they're, they're, this filters into chapter two. And I talked about um, as of this recording last Sunday, uh, chapter two has this faith and works thing. And there's this tension, and you talked about it in your sermon, your first sermon in this series. There's this tension because Romans and, and Ephesians and other, other books kind of talk about how we're not saved by works, but we're saved by grace through faith. And then yeah. James says, but if you don't have works, your faith is dead. Yeah. And so this faith that James seems to be pulling out seems to be hinting at, like, it's almost like a membership card. Like, I have faith. I'm part of the Christian church, and I'm part of this to gain influence. This and college James, is, James yeah. is like, yeah, this college is. And it's like, James is like, well, actually, you're not really a part of it if like your membership card doesn't evidence itself by you acting like a member of this yeah. body. And, um, and, and that's kind of throughout the book. And then in James three, um, there's this, there's this, um, not everybody should be teachers. And it's like, well, what do you, what, this is random, but it's like, if somebody's striving to be a teacher, then, um, they probably shouldn't try to be a teacher. If, if you're striving to be a teacher yeah. to gain honor and influence and, and things like that. And so that th there's all these themes throughout the book and I could go on and on. I mean, there's five chapters and we could talk for hours about it. Um, but, but, humility is, is this book is dripping and be humble don't, don't like don't try to um, don't try to do things for selfish gain 
be humble just as, and, and, and that's the, the, the context behind the book, be humble as Jesus is humble because Jesus is our true leader and he makes himself low. Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have much more to add. That's significant. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's good. Drake, what would you add to that? Well, I, there's definitely some some themes in there too that I think Ben is, is nailing the head on. You know, themes of, like you said, dripping humility, um, mm-hmm. not favoring the yeah. elites or the yeah. um, the rich, uh, living a life, uh, living your faith out. So I'm sure Martin Luther stumbled on uh, faith without works is is dead. Those right. sorts of um, situations or those sorts of phrases. When I when I think about the book of James, it's you were talking, Jared, about Romans being the, you know, kind of a linear argument. James is, I always think about a conversation with my dad, but more so like my grandpa. If you ever sit with your grandparents and listen to them talk or tell stories, it's awesome. But you have to kind of figure out what they're talking about um, sometimes. <laughs> it's all good. There's all some gold nuggets in there, right? And I feel like that is um, a little bit of James' letter, um, a little bit. So even, I mean, it's kind of in there in the introduction, too, of, uh, James being the English, you know, transliteration for um, Jacob, um, you know, in Israel, uh, then the 12 tribes, Jacob was very much the father of his 12 sons who were the 12 tribes of Israel. And so it's almost like a fatherly or grandfatherly wisdom that's being shared um, mm. with the with the people of God, with yeah. uh, God's children here. And so it's, it's not a, hey, let me convince you of this. It's, hey, I know this is true. And uh, this is how we are supposed to live. And these are the hard things that I'm going to tell you as well. Everybody likes to talk about the grace uh, of God and um, how grace abounds more than sin. And, you know, quotes from Romans, which are good and true. And I don't want to downplay uh, one of the greatest writings of the world. But, um, you know, James is so practical in this. And he says hard things. So you have the themes in there that I'm, I'm sure James is, is hitting. But also you have this one thing that always sticks out to me at the end is, um, James five sixteen, therefore can confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Uh, you might be healed for the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And we live in a culture, and I'm sure people back then lived in a culture too, especially of elitism and classism, uh, confessing sin and wrongdoing and um, your your thorns in your flesh, if you will, uh, was not something that would gain you honor and position. And so, uh, but you have in James, James uh, 4, 10, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Yeah. And so um, it's very much so about humbling yourself to, for yourself to see God and for other people to see God and for God to be elevated and he will elevate you in due time. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's huge. Uh, I, that's exactly where I was going to go. When we, uh, you know, there's, there's definitely this prevalent theme of uh, humility <clears throat> as James is trying to combat this, you know, uh, kind of this uh, uh, honor, shame, uh, you know, rat race, if you will, this, you know, clambering towards the top of, uh, uh, trying to uh, gain position, gain clout, gain authority, gain honor, um, you know, through various means. But yeah, we certainly see that. In fact, that's uh, that's one of the primary things that we um, are talking about in week three of this series um, is looking at, uh, you know, there's this conflict and there's this tension that's uh, happening between the different people, uh, which uh, not only James, but, you know, we, we look at the kind of the contrast between, you know, James and Romans and Paul and some other things, but um, these tensions, uh, but yet they're all really arguing the same thing. And uh, not only James, but Paul, but everywhere throughout the gospel, you see these tensions, these divisions that are happening, um, which they say has absolutely no place in the church, right? Um, so, it, uh, you know, 
know, Paul will say it. Uh, we're going to we're going to be going through Colossians coming up soon here. Um, but, you know, Paul will say, hey, there's there's no longer slave or free or Scythian or barbarian or, or whatever. Um, but Christ is in all. So there's there's no uh, there's no place for this disunity. There's no place for these divisions. Um, and interestingly enough, uh, the way to be I love that that verse that you referenced there in uh, uh, in 410. Interestingly enough, the way to uh, glory, if you will, the way to be lifted up is to humble yourselves. This is the paradox of the gospel, but that's what he says. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. So it's this backwards picture of kind of how they were going about it. So, so yeah, I think that's that's huge, um, along with, again, I I would say maybe the— uh, maybe the best way to express some of these specific things where we're talking about, uh, you know, wealth, where we're talking about faith and deed, speech, living in community with one another is kind of going back to this idea of trying to find honor through, you know, being a teacher, through wisdom, through all this, all this kind of stuff. Um, and yet, uh, throughout everything, this wisdom you talked about, Drake, um, uh, the practical wisdom, mo- more kind of uh, getting your hands dirty more on the ground, um, Real wisdom uh, is not just having this mental faith, um, but rather it's uh, having a faith that expresses itself. Um, if there's no expression of your faith, then whatever you have, it's not the faith of the gospel. It's not the faith that Jesus teaches. It's not the faith that Paul teaches. It's not the faith that James uh, teaches. And so, um, like in verse uh, chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, um, he says, Those who consider themselves relig- uh, religious... But don't keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless, but rather the religion that God accepts. And so he's setting up this dichotomy between, hey, here's what real faith looks like, and here's what real, and here's what, uh, real faith doesn't look like. And so, um, yeah. yeah, we see that all throughout. So anyway. Yeah, the, the interesting comparison that, you know, Ben, you, I think you started us on with um, the, the academic uh, yeah. practices of even today and, and probably most days were to sit and to discuss, to philosophize. And um, that's not really what James tells anybody here to do. Uh, now, I don't think that we should take that comment and run with our faith is, you know, empty of uh, reason mm. or uh, it's untested. But um, at some point, uh, you know, you can't just keep talking about the things that are true. You have to act on the things yep. that are true. Yeah. And that's exactly what he's getting at when he talks about um, such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice, talking about this knowledge that puffs up, this knowledge that is for, and then he goes in and moves into, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness and all of that the wisdom that learning that knowledge all of those actions are doing verbs mm-hmm. like it's it's stuff that we do to others yeah and yeah. it's always in mercy and in justice and in all sorts of different things that we do to help um and like james talks about the widows and the orphans yeah. and um you know the, the idea of these <clears throat> collegiate social clubs that they had um, whenever you join a group, it, it, it's common in humanity to join a group for the benefits, right? Mm. So like if you're joining yeah. a country club around town, you're going to ask, hey, what can I get out of this club? Mm-hmm. You know, is the golf course nice? Is the food good? Is the is the whatever? And they try to sell you on that. But the church, Ben, do you have a lot of experience in this? With, with, like, with country clubs? Yeah. It, no, like, no. Man, I grew, up in the, I grew up in the hood, man. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, but the uh, – I grew up in a farm town. Um, 
but you, you, you flip the, uh, with the church, it's upside down. It flips upside down. It's, it's not about the benefits that you can get from the church, although sometimes we treat it like that. We'll get into mm-hmm. that when we talk about the application of the book. But it's not about um, how good is the preaching and, and can I get convicted every Sunday? And how good is the worship and does the electric guitar really ramp up? And, and it's not like the stuff you can consume. Is, is the youth group really good for my kids? And, is the, and those things are valuable and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and worth talking about. But really the question when we come to joining a church and being a part of a church is not, what can I get out of it? But how can I invest myself and give into it? Yeah. Right? Like, what ministry can I serve in? And how can this make my kids better servants? And how can I, um, m- like, sacrifice myself for the greater good of the community of the church? Yeah. And and um, it sort of flips the, the club mentality on its head. Yeah. And um, and I think that that is really poignant for um, for the church. It, it, it's this, um, this last weekend, my girlfriend and I were walking, and we um, walked in a couple of different places here in town. Um, Drake, you probably won't be familiar with this, but one place we walked along was at, on uh, Riverside, right by the Cumberland River. Mm-hmm. The other part is we went down to Dunbar Cave. And what I noticed was at Dunbar Cave, the pond looked really, really different than the river, right? The river was like clear-ish. <laughs> Clearer. <laughs> Clearer. <laughs> Relative. But at Dunbar Cave, it was a pond that kind of just had stuff flowing into it, and it was like green and goopy and gross. And it's like, why is that? Because the pond doesn't have anything to, like flowing out of it. Right. And in the same way, like we become gross Christians when we um, have stuff coming into us, whether it's teaching, whether it's the grace of God, whether it's mercy, but have no grace and mercy flowing out of us. We become goopy and gross ponds. But when we um, we we become rivers, when we become, you know, lakes with outflows, we take in the grace and mercy of God, the teaching of the word, prayer, all that stuff. And it comes out of us um, uh you know, in, as pure water to the people who, who desperately need to know about yeah. Jesus. I appreciate that illustration, especially Ben, going back to one more time in college when we hung out, you came over to my house and uh, I was renting a home that had a pool in it. Uh, and then it was October and Ben decided to jump into the pool that had not been cleaned, this goopy and gross pool. <laughs> Uh, so too many Christians jumping into goopy and gross things. Man. I forgot about that. <laughs> it was so cold and I didn't have a change of clothes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. But I so right back now, to wisdom. Uh... <laughs> so I'm I'm right now memorizing the um, the Sermon on the Mount with a couple of high school boys. Oh, nice. And one of the things that um, I've been learning from this is when you get into, um, especially Matthew chapter six, the first the first verse in Matthew chapter six is, "Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of." in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Mm-hmm. And then it goes through prayer and fasting and giving and all this and prayer, or yeah. So anyways, it says every time uh, referring to the uh, hypocrites, it was what Jesus calls them. He says, truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. Uh, but then he'll say something like, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father uh, who is unseen and your Father who sees what is done in secret, future tense will reward you. Um, and so I kind of see that connection right now with the book of James, like people who yep. want the reward, they want to be elevated and they're getting their reward. It's empty. Mm. And, uh, one day it will be void. Yeah. Um, but our, our reward will come because we don't lift ourselves up, but God, uh, the creator and sustainer of all things will lift us, will lift us up. Yeah. We submit in obedience to him. Yeah. That's, that's good. That's, that's really, really good. good. You got that memorization down pat, man. <laughs> Nicely done. I can't be that hypocrite youth pastor who doesn't track me. <laughs> there you go. I got I got three boys who are doing it right now, and they're they're smoking me. But 
Nice, <laughs> nice. No, I love what you point out here. You know, all these action verbs that we see in uh, in James. And, uh, you know, what they were doing um, really was... Uh, the things that the church was practicing, um, these wrong things that James is warning against and writing against, are these, uh, uh, you know, these practices really of isolation. It's a, it's a, I'm trying to uh, hoard wealth for myself. I'm trying to hoard honor for myself. And what that does is that uh, that isolates us from one another, right? Um, and yet, uh, these actions that he's saying, all these fruits that we uh, that we see um, that James talking about, are actually actions in community, things that we do to and for one another. Um, uh, but it's not, uh, yeah, not not an individual pursuit, which is why I can say, submit to God, humble yourselves yeah. before Him. God will lift you up. Um, and so instead, we see this picture of community um, and uh, in living for one another, um, not just hoarding for ourselves like that, you know, uh, like the yeah. the image of the water, you know, that just becomes yeah. goopy and nasty, but rather what we have received from God. So, you know, wealth, you don't just hoard this for yourself, but this is something that is supposed to be extended to others, or grace and mercy, uh, what we speak to one another. And so, uh, so yeah, uh, great stuff, great stuff. Yeah. Um, in that case, then, I would ask the question, uh, and we could probably, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we could run on this for a long, long time. Um, but so what then, um, what then does that mean for, you know, the church today? Uh, two different contexts, uh, you know, very different worlds in which we live. Um, and yet, uh, man, James is just full of, uh, yeah. like I said, practical wisdom. Um, and so how do we, uh, how do we take uh, James's encouragement and instructions uh, to the church there, and how do we put that into practice for ourselves today? So what do you guys think? Drake, you want to kick us off? Yeah, sure. Um, I would say probably the most simply, simplest way to put it is to be obedient. Um, mm. You know, there's, there's things... In, in James, like, um, you know, religion, religion that our God our Father accepts as pure, as pure and faultless as this to, to take after orphans and widows. And so um, that's an easy one. That's an easy directive to uh, hear. Uh, it should be probably an easy directive to follow. Um, I was talking to one of the ladies that I work with here at Christ Church who um, really has a high, high position of leadership in our community when it comes to, um, you know, foster care and adoption and stuff like that. And I was, I was talking to her um, about how our church can continue to get more involved because Christ Church is very involved in the foster care and adoptive communities. Um, but we were talking about how we can try to get more people from our church and our community involved in this. And one of the things that her, she her name is Maggie. One of the things that Maggie said to me um, was everybody should have, you know, their hands involved in some way supporting uh, foster care and adoptive families, but it's not everybody's call to um, adopt or foster, but that doesn't give us an excuse not to be obedient to take ca to take care of orphans uh, in their time of need. And so, you know, being creative, I think, is something that we can do. Um, Maggie talked about uh, families who make meals, families who do respite care, uh, those sorts of things. Um, families who, like my my wife and I, we adopted our our son uh, Willie, and uh, we went through a adoption agency, which is expensive, and we uh, couldn't cover the the cost um, simply on our own. And we had a lot of families give to us, a lot of strangers give to us actually as well. Mm -hmm. And so uh, our, our adoption was funded by the church uh, for better. And, uh, and we're grateful for that. So I think those are some practical ways to look after those people in our society, like orphans and widows who are um, probably more neglected than most people. Mm -hmm. um, certainly true of the first century. And I think today um, we, we can find that as well. You know, we have a, a lady who lives across the street who is a who is a widow and so we 
and a few of our neighbors try to take after her and change light bulbs and, and visit her and stuff like that. So some of those easy things that good. Um, are simple to do, but sometimes hard to remember. I think we just need to encourage one another um, toward love and, and good deeds, like it's said in Hebrews. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I, um, I, I think... I think the first thing I'd say is for people who are trying to be leaders in the church, whether it's you're going, you, you know, you, you um, feel called to the position of, you know, deacon or elder or pastor or teacher or whatever, or just you find yourself in your particular community being a pillar of that community, that um, you should build that leadership not on um, stage presence, but on stacking chairs. Mm. And, and, and so you should be the type of person who is the first person to offer to serve, the first person to help the older person move, the first person to volunteer to do the hard work in the church, because leadership is more about service than yeah. it is about stage presence. Absolutely. Um, a, a, a close, well, I don't want to reveal any identities, but a close relationship to me, a, a, a person that I am very, very close to, um, was employed by a church recently who um, experienced some real tension in the church. And one of the reasons um, that that tension happened was the way that the church picked their elders was less, hey, who is the best servant? Who is the clearest example of servanthood? But they picked their elders based upon who was influential in the church and who gave the most in the church. Mm -hmm. and, who and so what happened was as years went by, um, there was a lot of tension because these people who had invested so much in the church and were pillars of the community had, number one, all these people behind them, but number two, they had invested in keeping the church exactly the way that it was. Because if they kept the church exactly the way that it was, they could preserve their power. And so it ended up causing a church split. It caused people to leave the church. And um, actually, my, my, this cl person close to me, they, they um, ended up not working at the church anymore because of financial reasons and because it just was a really unhealthy situation. And that is not a, a, an outlier that constantly happens in churches because leadership becomes focused on, um, on, on, rather, on being a leader rather than being a disciple. Mm -hmm. And um, mm -hmm. and so, like, leadership should be servanthood. Yeah. Now, that doesn't just apply to people who are trying to be on staff at a church or people who um, are given positions of authority in the church. Man, that applies to parents because mm. parents are, are given charge over their kids. That applies to um any adult in the church who may have a position of influence, whether it's in their small group or whatever, um, that your leadership starts with service mm -hmm. rather than rather than authority or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Uh, ben, you said uh, really, really well in your sermon um, on chapter three of James. Um, you know, what, what we're called to do is look to the cross, right? Yep. And um, so our life, uh, we are called to uh, pattern our lives after Jesus. And so when we look to the cross, uh, and, and you brought this up, uh, you know, what was Jesus's path to authority, to power, to glory, to these things? Um, it wasn't through uh, domination. It wasn't through, uh, you know, uh, coming and, and reigning and ruling on high as the, you know, the, you know, overthrowing Rome or, or things like yep. that. Um, what Jesus both taught, you know, he said the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Um, both what he taught um, and what he practiced was a life of humility. You know, go to Philippians chapter two, and you know, he's God uh, in the. You know, he's very God, but he didn't consider that something to be held on to. But he made himself nothing, becoming a servant. Um, you know, and Jesus' path to glory um, was actually um, a, a path through humility that he would come, make himself God, but 
make himself a man um, and then uh, conquer death and sin and all of this and reign over all through the way of the cross. Um, and as we are called to uh, emulate, to fo- not just emulate, but to follow, uh, right? We're not just trying to pattern after Jesus, but we're trying to literally walk in his footsteps. Um, uh, that doesn't come through uh, domineering or exerting authority or whatever, or, or taking from, but rather um, submitting ourselves um, and lowering ourselves um, as Christ did. And so, uh, so that's huge. I, and I appreciated that uh, um, bringing that up in the sermon and, and, and bringing it up now for us. Um, one thing, uh, or I guess two things that I had written down here, and then I'll let you guys uh, add any other things and kind of wrap us up here. Um, one thing I think for us to remember, um, because even though the culture is different, but there are uh, there's a lot of similarities in the book of James and things that happen in the church now, um, is for us to remember um, that the gospel supersedes divisions, mm-hmm. right? So throughout James, you see these different uh, you know, class or these uh, different uh, um, uh, ways in which they're being divided, um, and yet uh, constantly what James is saying and what Paul would say and what Jesus would say um, is that the gospel is bigger than all of that, um, and we actually ought to be serving one another, taking care of one another, not finding ways to divide. Um, and so the gospel supersedes that. But then the other thing that I have down here is um, uh, is that James seems to be really particular about um, you know, we talk about this religion and faith is not just merely a mental exercise or a, I belong to this college or I, uh, yeah. I uh, you know, hold this particular viewpoint, um, but rather uh, it's something that is expressed. It shows itself. It reveals itself in the way we live. And so um, I would say, you know, as a church, uh, you know, if the extent of our faith is just an intellectual agreement with the gospel, mm-hmm. um, then what we have is not, not actually any yeah. faith at all. Yeah. Um, if, the fr- if the fruit of our relationship with Christ um, is, you know, attending services on Sunday, um, you know, having our membership card or whatever, but it's not actually manifesting itself in our lives, then what we have, um, you know, we may believe something, we may have a good doctrine, but what we have is not the faith of the, of the gospel. And yeah. so uh, I would say we have to ask ourselves, um, since the gospel is all-encompassing, uh, you know, uh, is my, you know, is my life actually different because of the gospel, because of my beliefs? Is my, is my job different because I'm a follower of Christ? Um, if it's not, if it's just a way to make money, then uh, is the gospel actually, you know, manifesting itself in my yeah. life? Is my family different? Are my friendships different? Um, we have to keep in mind, too, as Paul would say in all the rest of the scriptures, and I think James would agree, um, that the answer to that, if we look at those questions, if we ask those questions and go, no, it, I, I don't think it's actually changing anything, the answer is not to go, okay, well, I'll just produce some fruit here, and that's going to that's gonna fix it, you know, just like, you know, we say, you know, uh, if you see a dead tree, uh, the way to fix it's not to tape apples to it. You know, mm-hmm. that's not gonna that's not gonna uh, somehow make the tree come alive. Um, but I think we have to ask those questions. It's to plant it, um, and root it. It's, it's to plant it and root it. Yeah. And so, uh, do we see our lives actually producing the fruit that comes from that's the good. gospel? And so, I think that's one of the big questions James is asking. I think one of the one of the tough pieces about um, this humility piece is, well, how do I go about being humble? Because everything in us doesn't want to be humble. Even people who appear humble, there is some sort of pride in them that wants to preserve self or wants to make themselves, um, you know, in an argument, defend themselves and make them higher or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, I think the, the best way to do that is to look outside yourself and really invite a person or two into your life who is willing to check you before you wreck you, you know, like who is, who can be that type of person to say, hey, 
man, you are being prideful here and you need mm. to humble yourself. And, um, and, and so I don't want to call it an accountability partner because there's certain connotations that come with that, mm. but like have, yeah, have a, a circle of accountability in your life that is like, Hey, it's time to have a James, a James in your life who is, uh, who is saying, Hey, humble yourself and make yourself low. Yeah. Yeah. That's how James actually ends his gospel with, uh, uh, is with this, uh, appeal to restoring yeah. one another, yeah. um, in uh, relationship. So, so that's, that's great. Um, uh, Jake, uh, Drake, I'm not fishing for anything. Do you have any other uh, kind of final comments before we uh, wrap up, or have you said your piece? Yeah, I mean, I would I would add to Ben's comment about you know accountability. Surround yourself with people who I think one of the comments I made at the beginning of this conversation was get their hands dirty. Mm. Um, I got a couple guys in my life who um, are older than me, uh, both in their one in their fifties, one in their sixties, and one of them named Adam, one of them named Steve neither of which are the smartest guys in the room. Um, but those guys work uh, for God's glory and the good of people. And uh, they serve and they don't want uh, attention. And so I don't know if you guys have ever been around somebody who just makes you feel like I'm a better person because I'm around them right now. Yeah. Um, you know, not in a sense of look at me, look who I got to hang out with. But one of those one of those feelings of where you're humbled by how genuine they are and their love for God and love for people. And um, I would say if you can find people like that, get yourself around them and let that holiness rub off on you in a communal way. Yeah. And uh, so I would just add that to Ben's comment. And then, uh, yeah, the last, the last part there that Jared um, just said, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the air of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sin. I think that's kind of the uh, Father Jacob's last um, kind of comment to the people he's writing to is remember uh, this is not about you. This is about God and the salvation of the world. Yeah. Um, so let's get out there and, and get to work. Yeah, that's good. That is as well. Well, uh, I think that kind of concludes our discussion. Um, we we've loved kind of going through the Book of James and um, being humbled by it, and um, look forward to uh, kind of we're going to do some more book studies here as, as a as a church yeah. through our sermon series, um, and uh, hopefully talk about it with some cool people and uh, on the on the podcast and so this has been another edition of the furthermore podcast i'm ben i'm jared and uh church we'll see you next time love you guys Bye.